Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Nick Suss of the Clarion Ledger to talk more about the Ole Miss side of things. And Nick, appreciate you joining us again this afternoon, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. Always happy to help y'all out with this. Yeah, well, we appreciate it because I'm going to be honest, I haven't had a chance to watch Ole Miss basketball a whole lot this year. I've seen a few highlights, obviously, got a chance to watch their Monday night game uh, against Florida and kind of just start right there with the three games in five days. You know, that's tough for any team. I know with COVID issues, they had to make up the games, but uh, how did how is Ole Miss approaching that type of feat, being able to play that many games in such a short span here in conference play? Yeah, I, I guess the good news for them is that the turnaround isn't too tough when one of the games in Starkville and two of them are in Oxford, so travel isn't too big of a consideration. But, I mean, beyond that, this is a team that's already kind of battling a depth issue. It, it's lost uh, senior guard Jarkel Joyner, its best scorer, for at least the next four or five weeks uh, to back injury. And it lost its best forward, Robert Allen, to knee surgery back in December. So, I mean, you down those two pieces and you're playing this type of quick turnaround. It's not going to be easy for anybody. But, I mean, these are 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. It's not too hard for them to bounce back. The, the recovery time isn't too much of an issue. And uh, when it's a situation like this, what, what Kermit Davis has said and what some of these players have reflected is, it's a lot easier to flush a loss when you know there's another game in two days. And that kind of was something they built off of to beat Florida on Monday was they played an ugly game. They didn't have four or five days to wallow in it. They had a day of rest and immediate game plan, and they got to go play. And and that kind of did benefit them in a certain way against Florida. Was that the best win they had this season so far against Florida? I mean, you can probably argue that they beat Mississippi State, which was a uh, which was an impressive one at home, and uh, you have no idea if the value of the Memphis win is what it is anymore. But they did beat Memphis, a very talented team. They beat Dayton, a very talented team. Uh, but they've kind of been a team that's played up to opponents, played down to opponents, played up at home, played down on the road. It's it's kind of been tough to predict which Ole Miss team you were going to get on a given day, uh, especially with some of the shuffling in and out of the lineup with injuries. But I will say that against Florida, it was probably their most decisive performance, if not that Mississippi State win a couple of weeks ago, because they put really, really well defensively against Florida. I think Florida shot something like 11% from three that game. And they found contribution from some of their young stars. Deshaun Ruffin, the true freshman, I think scored 21. I think Matthew Morell, the sophomore, scored 20 or 22. Those are your two linchpin pieces for the future, and they're finally starting to get things to click. And that was probably the most exciting part of, of that Florida win for Ole Miss. Now, Nick, uh, Ole Miss is 10-9 and nine overall. You, you mentioned the Florida and Mississippi State wins are 2-5 and five in conference play. Uh, just heading into this year, though, was this about what fans expected? Was this going to be a year that was a borderline of 500 year, or were people expecting a little bit more at this point in time during the season? It's tough to say because you always do have to throw your expectations out of the window when your two senior leaders get hurt. That's going to that's gonna drop the load a little bit. I, I do think that this was a team that a lot of people expected could, a lot like last year, be on the fringe of – high NIT, low NCAA tournament seeding. I, I I think I was a little lower on them. I didn't think they were necessarily a team that was going to contend for the NCAA tournament unless a few things went really right. But 
losing those players right at the start of SEC play kind of forced a soft reset, and that that created some struggles. I mean, they had an ugly loss against Missouri at home, and they they blew, I think, a 13-point first-half lead against Tennessee, blew, I think, a 15-point first-half lead against Auburn. Tennessee and Auburn are really, really talented teams. There's a reason Auburn's number one in the country. But for a team like this to have those early leads and not be able to hold on shows there's something there. It's just not convalescing or coalescing for 40 minutes at this point. It's it's tricky. It's tricky to say exactly what this team is other than most of the way towards what it's trying to be. Now, every season is different, so you have to treat each as its own, but what's been the expectation since Kermit Davis took over as the coach of Ole Miss? Because uh, since he's taken over 2018, they haven't finished higher than sixth. Yeah, it's it's been tricky because the SEC has kind of grown in stature in men's basketball kind of at the exact same time that Ole Miss brought in Kermit, and that first year was undoubtedly a success. He was the SEC coach of the year. They made it to the NCAA tournament, I think, as a nine seed. That was a good team. Year two, they struggled. Year three last year, they were, I think, the fourth team out, maybe third team out of the NCAA tournament. Good team that was probably one or two resume pieces away from being a nine or ten seed like they were two years prior, and this year they're struggling. I think that for any coach at Ole Miss, the expectation should probably be compete for the NCAA tournament one out of every two years, two out of every three years, always be in that contention, never be the bottom feeder of the SEC, but to kind of compete there. And I think that's what he's done so far, and that's not the most exciting answer to give. I, I think that a lot of people would say, no, the, the, the expectation should be to win SEC championships and be a high seed. That's why Tennessee did it, Auburn did it, uh, all these other SEC teams, even Arkansas is kind of creating that contention again. Alabama's doing it. Why can't Ole Miss do it? Well, they've never been that team in the past, and you can't skip steps. You have to first be the team that contends for the NCAA tournament on a regular basis. And I think that's where they are, or at least where they're building towards, and that's probably the best way to view it. But if it goes south, if they finish with, three or four wins in SEC play, that's obviously going to be a step back that can't be denied. Speaking with Nick Suss of the Clarion Ledger here on Out of Bounds, talking about Ole Miss basketball as they take on the Hogs tonight in Oxford. Uh, so, so Nick, obviously every team's got different strengths. For this Ole Miss team, what is something that they do really good that Arkansas is going to have to watch out for, and what's the thing that they struggle with that Arkansas is going to be uh, trying to exploit? Yeah, I think if we're talking about strengths with Ole Miss, it it usually starts with the way it mixes defenses. And I, I'm sure that some Arkansas fans probably remember this from the last few years, but Ole Miss kind of throws you a combo of a 1-3-1 one, one defense and a man, the, a man matchup defense. And when they're running well, they, they manage to uh, take teams out of rhythm and force them to shoot threes, which I know has been a bit of a struggle at times for Arkansas this year. So if Ole Miss can get that zone working and make them – play outside in it might be a little tougher but the other thing that you have to say about Ole Miss is one there have been prolonged stretches this year where the shots just didn't fall and a couple of those times when the shots don't fall they let it affect them on offense and that issue has kind of been resolved a little bit these last couple of games but it's still a pressing issue of letting one side of play affect the other and as I alluded to at the top there's there's a depth issue with this team especially 
with big men. They have Nicier Brooks, a, I think I believe a sixth-year senior, a seven-footer at center, and they have Jamin Brakefield, a Duke transfer at forward. But other than those two guys, they don't have too many people that can come off the bench with legitimate size. So they're going to have to play small quite a bit when these guys need breaks. And if Arkansas can take advantage of the times when Ole Miss is playing small and kind of beat them in the paint, there is a way to kind of take Ole Miss out of its game. College basketball is a mixed bag of high school recruiting, transfer portal. But with this team, as far as in-state recruiting, how how does that compare to, like, Mississippi State? Does Ole Miss get a number of in-state recruits, or or does Mississippi State probably get more so? I think that tide has kind of changed with Kermit Davis taking over, given that he is such a Mississippi guy at heart. He's kind of put more of a pressing focus on bringing in guys like Deshaun Ruffin, who he's the freshman point guard for this team. He's the highest-rated recruit in Ole Miss basketball history. He is from Jackson, Mississippi. You have Austin Crowley, who's a junior on this team, who is from West Point, Mississippi. They are uh, Matthew Morrell, the sophomore. He's from Memphis, which I guess you can kind of count in the Ole Miss recruiting footprint. There's been more of a focus on it, but I would say overall Mississippi State has – Ended to have a little bit better success recruiting in state, but I think that especially with these last three years, it is kind of turning toward the tide of Ole Miss having uh, equal ground, if not a little bit of an edge, uh, just because of the pedigree of some of these players. So that's always been the thing about the the two Mississippi schools, which I know that they've had some success in their respective. Uh, own ways in certain years and all that but I've always felt like you know those two schools at least one of those schools should be pretty competitive at a high level in basketball I feel like that maybe basketball's pretty good there in the state of Mississippi just uh what do you what do you think has been what the state of Mississippi and obviously their basketball but also uh what's maybe kept these two programs from from taking those significant steps forward like some of these other SEC programs yeah I mean I'm I'm certainly not the first person to ever make this observation but I compare it to Imagine if there was a second SEC school in Arkansas, and if instead of having first dibs on everybody in your state, you're competing 50-50 for everything. It's going to make things harder to to not have a wall around your state to at least say, well, anyone who grew up caring about college sports cares about us. That's the constant struggle in every sport for Ole Miss and Mississippi State, that the state is fractious and divided among college lines. And especially in basketball, which is, it's not bad in Mississippi. There's a lot of good talent that comes from Mississippi. Devin Booker comes from Mississippi, but it's still kind of tricky, especially in a sport that's being so heavily funded by, or not funded by, potentially funded by AAU in that circuit where in a state that doesn't have as much overflowing money to to be able to showcase these players, it's a little harder to develop some of this top-level talent and when you're sharing it among two schools and the top-level kids are still always going to consider the top-level schools for themselves, too, it, it makes it tricky. So I, I don't want to come off making an excuse for either of these schools, but I do think that there is a natural disadvantage when you're in a smaller state and have a rival who is your equal. It, it's okay if you're in Alabama and there's Alabama and Auburn. Alabama is a bigger state with more resources. and it, it, Georgia, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, Duke. I mean, there are always going to be states that have competition, but Mississippi is situated where it's kind of tough to to figure out 
what it would have been like if there was just one of these schools instead of two. Nick, as far as football goes, what's the talk there in state as far as Matt Corral, his draft stock, and where he may end up in the NFL draft? Yeah, I think that there are a lot of people who are projecting Corral as the first or second quarterback off the board. I think there's a lot of time to see which of these guys is going to peak ahead in, in the draft this year. I think Sam Howell from North Carolina is probably going to be a late riser. I think Malik Willis from Liberty is somebody who's going to stick around. Obviously, Kenny Pickett from Kidd is a guy who's going to be in the conversation. It probably comes down to the preferences of these teams. I, I kind of would be surprised if any of the teams picking in the top five right now use a pick on a quarterback. There would probably have to be somebody that would trade up to get a quarterback that high. But if you're looking at someone like Corral, who had the season he had and has the pedigree and talent that he has, I would be surprised if there isn't a team in the 12 to 25 range in the draft. You're talking Denver, Washington, Pittsburgh, some of these quarterback needy teams that uh, could use somebody that's a little bit developmental. I think that would be a really good fit for him. I've I've heard a lot of people project Washington as a fit. I've heard a lot of people project the Steelers as a pick. Um, I think any of those could probably be good, interesting fits for him. Carolina is another one that could be a, a good, interesting fit. And then, obviously, you guys follow the NFL. You know, there's a lot of moving and shaking that will happen at the quarterback position this offseason. What happens if the Raiders move on from Derek Carr? What happens if the Eagles aren't satisfied with Jalen Hurts? There are going to be a lot of teams that probably give Corral a look to kind of refresh their quarterback room. And I think everybody's going to have to wait on what Aaron Rodgers chooses to do before any of these decisions get made. But I think all of that factors into which team is the quickest to fall in love with Corral. You know, and speaking of football, just from the outsiders for a second, I know that Ole Miss had a great year this past year. It was their first 10-win regular season uh, that they've ever had, and there was a lot of good things and good vibes going on there. But offensive coordinator leaves, defensive coordinator leaves, special teams coordinator leaves, the quarterback leaves. A lot of these guys are leaving, and they've done a good job in the transfer portal and all that, but are, are there some people maybe in, in Oxford that are feeling like this past year was kind of their one year and that they're going to have to rebuild it back up, or is it going to be kind of – stepping back right into the mix of where they left off this past year where they've got a lot of new talent and a lot of the coaches that they brought in feel like they're going to pick up right where the other guys left off. Man, if I had a crystal ball, that would be the first thing I looked into because it would make my job a lot easier. (laughs) But I I don't know. It's, It's fascinating because you look at this team and you actually undersold how much they have to replace. It's not just the coaches and the quarterback. It's your top two running backs, your top two receivers, two offensive linemen, your best defensive end, three middle linebackers, an outside linebacker, two cornerbacks, and a safety. Those are the starters you have to replace. Throw in a punter, throw in all of the coordinators you mentioned. There's going to be a lot of resetting. I think that so much of what we're going to see talked about with this team this offseason hinges on which quarterback they get out of the transfer portal. And I think a lot of Ole Miss fans are still holding out for Jackson Dart from USC, which is dependent on if Caleb Williams goes to USC. And there's so much that is complicated right now. But if you get him, you are probably looking at either the best or second best transfer portal haul of any team in the country. They brought in a former five-star running back is Zach Evans, Louisville's leading receiver and Jordan Watkins. You got a three-time all-Mac middle linebacker in Troy Brown. You go out and get the former 
Big 12 freshman of the year, a safety named Aishim Young. You get two transfers from Auburn. They have really built well with transfer portal guys, and that's what Kiffin wants to do. That's why they only signed, I think, 14 people in the uh, December signing period. They were really holding on to these scholarships to reload to be able to keep the positive momentum they had from this 10-win season. Will it work out? Who knows? That's a lot of moving pieces. And who knows which SEC West teams are going to take that step forward this year. It was it was almost in Arkansas last year that took the big step forward. Are these two teams going to be able to sustain that? Do they fall back? Or does somebody like Auburn or Texas A&M, A&M or LSU kind of reassert themselves? It's, it's There are so many moving pieces in the chessboard that is the SEC West. And I don't exactly know where Ole Miss is going to fit this year. I think it would be kind of foolish to sit here on – January 23rd or whatever today's date is and say, oh man, Ole Miss is going to be as good as they were last year just because you're replacing a first-round NFL draft pick at quarterback, you're replacing both coordinators, two running backs, all the stuff I said. But you do have some confidence in Lane Kiffin hiring people he's worked with before, going after recruits he's courted before, kind of building a team that reflects the success he did have. What do you know about Sam Carter? He makes the move from Arkansas, and now he's on the Ole Miss staff. Yeah, I, I can't tell you I've done too much looking into it yet. It's pretty new, but it's a good fit. Uh, obviously, cornerbacks coach is a position where you're, you're coaching cornerbacks, but you're also heavily involved in recruiting. And almost all of Kiffin's hires from the three years he's been at Ole Miss now have been younger coaches who recruit well, who have – pedigree coming from the right kind of coaching trees and if somebody checks two of those three boxes Kiffin usually considers it a good hire it seems and Carter very much does check those boxes so I think it's a good fit anytime you can bring in a guy with SEC experience it's it's going to work out but I'm I'm interested to see what his recruiting area ends up being what that means for Ole Miss kind of hiring forward and just kind of what this defense is going to look like moving on from DJ Durkin to now Chris Partridge and Chris Kiffin, Lane's younger brother, who's going to help uh, coordinate the defense as well. It's uh, it's going to be interesting. It really will. And and however the new cornerbacks coach fits into that, we'll, uh, we'll just be a part of the puzzle that we all have to figure out together. Yeah, I always, always think it's weird when you got coaches that leave for division rivals. Like I know obviously Ole Miss had – uh, their defensive coordinator leave for Texas A&M and their special teams coordinator leave for Alabama. And, you know, it's kind of like one of those things, at least here in Arkansas, ah, we didn't need him anyways if he's going over there. I'm sure it's probably, you know, just yeah. crazy how that happens with these schools where coaches are taking the same positions, lateral moves, if you will, to just other schools that are in the same division. Yeah, I, I, you never know why somebody's motivation is for what it is, but it's the same reason that, didn't Arkansas and LSU just trade cornerbacks this year? <laughs> I mean, much, yeah. People, yeah. Pe- people can play where they want. People can coach where they want. I'm never going to begrudge somebody because at this point, who cares about loyalty? If you want your team to succeed, being a loyalist probably isn't the best way to do it. So let everybody make choices for themselves. And if it feels weird that Arkansas and Ole Miss are swapping coaches and Arkansas and LSU are swapping players, just get used to it. You're going to be along the ride. This is college football now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Nick, we appreciate it, man. Enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy the rest of the season, and we'll be catching up with you later down the road. Yeah, absolutely. I'll-